Hey dreamers, this is your host Barry Miracle. Welcome to Wake Up Into Your Dream. It's time to wake up out of the nightmares of normality and wake up into God's divinely designed dream for your life. Jump on this podcast today and let's discover God's awesomeness waiting for you. Hey everybody and welcome back to Wake Up Into Your Dream. I am your dream coach, Coach Barry Miracle, and I'll try English today. Why not, eh? Anyway, so good to be able to come to you today. We're on a series again. We're on part four uh, called Dominion, but it is of a four-part series of the word for, or actually three words for 2021, and that's family, fruitfulness, and dominion, and I have coined it as 2020 as one. So as we come into unity as the family of God, it was actually come into the covenantial spirit of union as the family of God, we're going to get a lot done this year. So I feel that there are a couple really big words, actually three, family, fruitfulness, and dominion. And I went a little more depth a couple weeks ago about uh, family, and then last week was about fruitfulness in two very powerful podcasts. You need to go back and listen to them if you haven't listened to them. This would be a good one today too, but it wouldn't hurt to go back over them. So my topic today is called Dominion. What is Dominion and why Dominion? For, but first of all, let's just do a short recap of the last couple of weeks. Um, so family, I, and I, I went into some in-depth of what the family makeup is and the power and the authority and why um, the, the father is the way he is, the why the mother the way is the way she is, and how that we come together and create just beautiful things um, and create a family, and how that family is actually the representation of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and in Genesis, where it says, uh, let us make man in our image, that our is, um, he's making reference to Elohim, the Hebrew word Elohim, which is the pluralization of God, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So let us make man in our image. And so when he made man, he made man in the image of Elohim. So, uh, but he noticed that that one needed needed to be separated in into two parts, and that's when he made half of Adam into Eve, and and he said that when he made Adam, it, like he said, the rest of creation it was good, but when he made Eve, he said she was very good, very interesting, and how that Adam was made outside of the garden and then placed in the garden, how Eve was actually um, reformed uh, in the garden, and so there's a there's a reason why each person uh, of that relationship of, of the woman and the man have different characteristics, and it has to do with their DNA and how they were created, not just what they were created from, but how they were created and where they were created. So anyway, I get into that, and then I, I talk about fruitfulness and how my grandfather told me years ago that, that God is interested in four things. He's interested in fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and that your fruit would remain. And it is all about being fruitful, and fruitfulness is very important, and fruitfulness is actually uh, the thing that will destroy the works of the evil one. When you become so fruitful that the enemy can't handle you and cannot control you any longer because you're getting too big, too impressive, too powerful, too um, uh, too much authority, 
authority. And all of a sudden, you, you cannot be pushed around by the enemy and the hereditary curses don't have the strength anymore because you're just being too fruitful. And I get into the scripture of Isaiah 10, 27, uh, where it says the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. That word there, once again, anointing is the Hebrew word shemen. It's where we get the, the word semen or the seed of life. God is destroying yokes of slavery by the spirit of life. And when you plant the spirit of life into something, when the seed of life gets planted in something, it cannot be stopped. It, it will grow. It will produce some 30, some 60, some 90, some 100 full, depending on, on where and the power and, and the watering and everything else that, that you're sowing. But I'll tell you, seeds produce. And so it's all about fruitfulness. Now he's been pruning us and getting us ready for this next season of abundance that we're going to walk into and of harvest. So we're, we're advancing through fruitfulness over this last season. And we're continuing to advance through fruitfulness because he wants us to get somewhere so that we can abound and take dominion. So it's all about us going forth and taking dominion. So this is where we're at today. Um, I want to go uh, a lot more in depth in what dominion is and what dominion isn't and why is it, it, it is so important for us to take dominion, to have dominion. So it kind of, it actually, it, to be honest about this whole thing, like I'm not being dishonest before, but it's just something you say and is a colloquial statement. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it kind of boils down, uh, boils back down to identity. So if you didn't um, hear those two episodes on identity that I did, or maybe I did more than two. But anyway, it was, um, no, I did about three or four on identity. Anyway, you can go back over the podcast and check them out as well. So dominion, I'm going to start with Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 again. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We have been redeemed and our dominion over all of creation has been redeemed as well. So I just actually want to just pause for just a second. I want to go back over a teaching I did with you guys and I, and I alluded to it a few times through different podcasts, but I want to just say it again to you so it's fresh in our minds. And, and um, so this is a way we discern scriptures. This is what is in the, the background and the foreground of our minds so that we can understand how to apply scriptures and why the promises of God are yes and amen to more than David or more than uh, Moses or more than the children of Israel, but they're actually applicable to me. And, and for these seven reasons, first, the Bible does not contain the word of God. It is the word of God from cover to cover, from leather to leather, from, uh, from where it says Holy Bible to, to the, um, whatever the sticker is on the back of it, 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 it contains God's word. Uh, just it, it, it not only contains, but it is God's word. So there's just not parts of it that are God's word within the Bible. I believe that all of it is the word of God from cover to cover. Second, God is no respecter of persons. Third, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Four, there is no shadow of changing in him. Five, God said it, said this, I am the Lord. Lord, and I change not. 
And then number six, the Bible also says that the promises of God are yes and amen to them believe to them that believe. Once again, I said I'm trying to use language and uh, English language, <laughs> and let's just keep going with the English language. Hopefully, here Numbers twenty three nineteen also says God is not a man that he should lie, nor the Son of Man that he should repent. Has he said it, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken? and will not make it good. I want to tell you that that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There, He is no respecter of persons, meaning he shows no partiality towards anyone, and, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And also, he is he ha, his promises are still yes and amen to them that believe, which all means if if he did it for one, he is obligated to do it for all. If you can find where it is written and believe it and declare it, you can have it. For instance, when God gave David victory wherever he went, so God can give me victory wherever I go. Like Jeremiah, he was awesome, but no different than you and me. When God said this of, of Jeremiah and Jeremiah Chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb, and I sanctified you before you were born. That's just not for Jeremiah. That is applicable for you today. And it is also applicable for you today that God gave us dominion. Yes, there was a season in which it seemed like we forfeited it to the enemy when we when when we fell and, and sinned in the Garden of Eden as our forefathers did. And then it was became a habitual hereditary curse that followed down. But then there was the last Adam that came and restored us back into dominion. And so we have been we have been placed back into dominion for over for approximately two thousand years. So this scripture is applicable not just for Adam and not just for the children of Israel or Moses or Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets, but this is applicable for you and me today. God has given to us dominion, and we can stand in that fact that we have been placed back into dominion. But now we must take dominion. God, right from the very beginning, told us to take dominion. He never rescinded this command. God wants his family to become more fruitful and outweigh the enemy and go forth and take dominion. What is it to take dominion and what does dominion look like? So biblically, dominion doesn't refer to domination of people. Did you hear that? This is Barry Miracle. I'm very bold. I'm very strong. And and I'm I'm kind of in your face at times, but you need to hear that just because I am um, I, I have somewhat of an oratorial gift, and I and I'm I'm not afraid to express myself. It doesn't mean that I want to be have dominion over people. That that doesn't mean it has nothing to do with what we're doing here and what I'm teaching. Biblical dominion. Hear what I'm saying? Doesn't refer to domination of people. Biblical dominion has to do with the liberation of people. Hmm. What is dominion and why dominion? So here's the definition of dominion according to Webster's. Supreme authority, sovereignty, absolute ownership, self-governing. Okay, uh, let's, let's just take a couple of minutes of what it is not. Let's just talk about what 
uh, dominion is not. And then we're going to talk about what dominion is. So when we're talking about dominion, once again, it's not about domination of people. Uh, when we're talking about dominion, as in the establishing the dominion of God or the kingdom of God, we are not talking about domination of people. I'm saying that a few times because you need to understand that's not what we're talking about. We are talking about uh, dominion in, in this perspective over all circumstances that are contrary to the dream of God or his original intent being manifested. When we must take dominion over our spheres of influence and our metron of ministry. So what does that mean? Uh, what does it mean? And everyone, which includes, everyone, which includes you all have a, everyone, you guys, <laughs> All have a sphere to subdue, a metron to minister to, a promised land to conquer, and a garden to tend. So to have dominion, you must take authority over your sphere, your metron, your promised land, and your garden. So it's time that we begin to step up and take back the dominion, even though it's been given to us. Deuteronomy 8.18 says that God has given us the power to obtain wealth that we may establish the covenant in the land. So what, what we must do is we must take our place. We must do what God has called us to do. We cannot back down. So God has given us the power to obtain wealth. He did not give us the wealth. He gave us the power to obtain wealth. He, he, he has given us the power to take dominion, the authority to take dominion, the avenue to be in dominion, but we still have to do it. We still have to subdue it. So to take dominion, we must take authority in our spheres, like I just said, our metron, our promised land, and our garden. So let's just even crank it back just a little bit and say, what is authority? So the definition of authority is power to influence or command thought, opinion, or behavior. It is also freedom granted by one in authority like this, who gave you authority to do as you wish. You can, you can only take dominion and have authority that has been granted to you, just like it said in, the, in Webster's definition of authority. In, in the instance in which we are talking about today is what has been granted and assigned to us by God to have authority and dominion over spheres in, of influence and metron of ministry and the promised land that he's called for us to conquer and the garden he's called for us to tend. So when it comes in uh, to authority, your degree or weight of the authority has two very important truths. We only have, and here they are, we only have really any real authority according to the degree of responsibility and, and relationship we have. So on, the only true authority you can have is when you have responsibility and relationship. So uh, sometimes you can have responsibility and that gives you authority. And then sometimes you have a relationship but, and that gives you authority. But usually they work in tandem. 
Okay, for example, in, in, my, in the family unit, I as a father have responsibility for my children. But if I'm not nourishing that relationship with my children and, and I'm doing my own thing all the time and not in, in what I would call in a relationship with them and they, and they don't really know me, it is definitely harder to draw a line on things around the home. Not that the children shouldn't obey, but it, it, it makes it understandably more difficult to obey when you don't have that relationship. So if I have relationship, well, let me just give me another example here. And we're going to use family. And so, uh, so as the father of my house, I have responsibility. And I am spending time with my children and making them part of my life. Whatever that might entail, uh, you know, watching movies, you know, going to games, uh, supporting them in their their particular um, love of life, whether it be, you know, basketball or football or knitting or swimming. I, I don't know, but you just you're involved in, in the life and you're in, re, in the relationship. So I have a responsibility over my children as a father, and I've been developing an ongoing relationship with them. So this constitutes a God-given righteous delegated authority. So here's the twist uh, of this example. So let's just say I work at Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble, or noted uh, by AKA P&G, they make about $70 billion a year. And I'm not telling tales because this is just, you know, common knowledge. You can Google that yourself. They're a very powerful company. And, and let us just say that the very powerful CEO of P&G, David S. Taylor, comes over for supper at my house for dinner. And once again, that's just public knowledge. And we are having a lovely time and just enjoying the evening. My boss is over and I'm impressing him because my, my children are so behaved. My wife is so beautiful and she cooks a fabulous meal. Everything is going well until my daughter's son starts acting up, crying and throwing things and, and uh, just, you know, just being, uh, just, just being a baby. <laughs> but he's like six months old and he's probably just overtired, right? So so this is where it gets a, a, a little, the little twist on the story. So who has the, you know, the question is, who has the delegated authority here to speak into the situation or do, do something? Uh, if the CEO gets too aggressive with the whole situation and starts taking things into his own authority, I may be finding another job. <laughs> Why? Because his, because, check this out, even though he is extremely wealthy and powerful and, and a CEO of one, one of the great companies in North America and around the world, this guy has just stepped beyond his authority within my sphere of influence. It, it does not matter if he has authority to order me around at the factory or if he actually can buy my 25 of my houses because he's so wealthy. Good old Dave has just stepped beyond his sphere of influence. He has stepped beyond his authority. And he, when, when he started taking things into his hands in my sphere of, of authority and my metron of ministry and my promised land to conquer, he, he has stepped beyond. So here's the other kicker. Even though this is my house and Sarah is my daughter 
And I'm still not the one with the delegated authority to take action. So hopefully this helps, you know, understand what, what authority is to take dominion because you need responsibility. So it goes back to identity. What am I called to do? What is my sphere of influence? Where, where, what, what, do I, what am I responsible for? You got to know who you are and you got to know who you're not. And, and Dave needed to know that he was not the father of my children or my grandson, and I needed I needed to know that I I am not the father of the of my grandson. I am the grandfather. So we need to know delegated authority and our spheres of influence. And so we need to we need to know what our lane is in and be comfortable in our skin. What is our grace level? God has determined by the dream, by the dream that He has given to us. And we need to live out the dream. And part of that is understanding who we are, understanding, most importantly, whose we are, who we are, and to whom we're called. Dominion has to do a lot with to whom we're called. Where do I have responsibility and who do I have relationship with? This is so important. So anyway, uh, when we're talking dominion, Jesus talks to us. And and in the prayer in Luke chapter 11, where he says, when you pray, say, very important. Once again, why am I on this podcast? Because I have something to say. We create things with the power of our words. When When we pray, we are actually saying and creating with God because we are co heirs with the creator of the universe. And we are in right now, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the place called unknown. Unknown is a great place, it's neither bad nor good. We determine by our words what it's going to be. The place of unknown is the only place that you can create something that never was before. So when we pray, we say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Dominion looks like the manifestation of the kingdom of God here on the earth. The kingdom of God is made up out of righteousness, peace, joy, grace, and truth, solidly founded upon faith, hope, and love. The foundation of the, of, of the kingdom of God and, and the foundation of what we are taking dominion with is faith, hope, and love. The pillars in which we operate in and, and, and hold everything together, righteousness, peace, joy, grace, and truth. Psalm 72, 8 says, he shall have dominion over, uh, I'm sorry, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. This is where we as Canadians, and I know you may be listening to us around the world or listening to me around the world, but in Canada, the name of our nation is not just Canada, it's called the Dominion of Canada, and we receive that uh, from this scripture, as Sir, Sir, um, Sir Tilly, one of the Confederate fathers of the nation of the Dominion of Canada, uh, brought this to the uh, Confederate fathers of the Dominion of Canada and said, this is part of who we are. He shall have dominion. God shall have dominion. So dominion is right in the very foundations of our country in Canada. 
So for God to have dominion here on the earth, we must become the family of God with all of its benefits and authority and become fruitful so that we can be empowered to take dominion. Amen. The Lord laid it on my heart in late February that his ecclesia is about to awaken, arise, advance, and abound. Uh, God's family, the ecclesia, his church, comes from the scripture, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, where Jesus says that he is going to build his church, his, his family, his ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. The word ecclesia is the Greek word, which means to be called out to rule and to reign. We are to take dominion over our own promised lands, over our gardens to tend, over our spheres of influence, and over our metron of ministry. God is giving us supernatural power to take dominion this year. Can you hear the word of the Lord? He's giving us an extra boost of power in this season of Holy Spirit power so that we can take dominion because it is time for you, the ecclesia, the church, the family of God to awaken, to arise, to advance so you can abound. We must abound. It is about us being fruitful. It is about us being a family. But you can't be a family without, sorry, you can't be fruitful without a family. There, there's something that, that, that must be procreated in the atmosphere of family, the family of God, and doing it according to the, the biblical principles and, and having relationship. And, 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 and in the midst of relationship, yeah, we're having responsibility. And, 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 and then with all of that, we are able to be fruitful and multiply and take dominion. I read the scripture that he wants us to, to be fruitful, multiply, and take dominion. But I, I made reference to this um, about three weeks ago when I gave an overview of, uh, of this um, word that I have for 2021 of family fruitfulness and dominion. And I, and, and I, and I want to reiterate, reiterate this again. How we take dominion is just as important as our attempts to take dominion. How we take dominion is just as important as us taking dominion. The scripture, uh, Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 8, in the Passion Translation, uh, it's TPT, it says, Now you are ready, my bride. And I want to just go on the record to say, Why can God say this? This scripture is being revealed in this season of time because God is is saying that you are ready, but you don't feel ready. But I want to tell you, everything you've gone through and everything that's come against you is producing a grace level in your life, and you are empowered, and you need to just tap in it. You need to know that every problem and every pain has to have a payday, and that's the greater grace of God that he already planned for you to participate in because he knew the days of evil that we would be in. He knew the, the valleys of, of, of death that we would be in. He knew the dark days that we'd be in. So he already 
already provided a greater grace for us to tap into. You just need to know that it's available. So I'm telling you, like he is telling you in Song of Songs 4, chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 8, now you are ready, my bride, to come with me as we climb the highest peaks together. Come with me through the archway of trust. We will look down on the crest of the glist- from from the crest of the glistening mounts and from our sublime sanctuary together we will wage war yes uh, ladies and gentlemen it is time that we wage war and it's time for us to take dominion you're going to have to wage war to take dominion but how we take dominion and how we wage war really is important because we don't do it like they do it in the physical realm we don't they don't we don't do it like the world does it. Rather, that's a better way of saying it. we don't do it that way. We don't have domination over people and enslave them to our ideologies. No, we liberate them and we give them opportunity to think clearly. But we need to know that we are still in war, Jim. We are still waging war, but it's with God and it is in obedience. So from the sublime uh, summit of our sublime sanctuary, together we will wage war in the lion's den and the leopard's lair as they watch nightly for their prey. The enemy is scheming. The enemy is doing whatever he can do to to thwart the plans of God by imposing his own plans and his own schemes. And he's looking for prey. He's, he, he's not, he's so consumed with his plan that he's not even going to see the righteous coming and beginning to crush the very head of the serpent and the scorpion and over all the works of the evil one. We're about to trample on all the, the schemes and, and crush the very head of the enemy. Okay, what we have all been going through especially over the last 10 months, has prepared us to be able to handle the harvest. We are, God has been preparing us. There is a harvest of souls, healings, signs, wonders, finances, lands, buildings. Many of us do not feel ready, but like I said just a minute ago, God has been readying you and been readying us, even though we will never really feel feel that that it uh, that we're ever ready and I want to tell you I I had a dream last night and I didn't even plan on talking about this that I was supposed to fight um, Muhammad Ali for the heavyweight champion I challenged him and I I'm telling you in the dream I was weak I was poor I I didn't I had the I had the wrong size shoes I had shoes not even boots not even boxing boots and 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 yet I, I'm, I'm like I, I chickened out and I stayed away and I wasn't gonna fight it and it was about 10:30 at night and fights are generally, uh, you know, the, the the big cards are are usually later on in the evening, and 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 so they have all these undercard fights, and then they have the big one, and I'm I'm supposed to be in this big one, and I'm chickening out, and I'm staying home, and I said to my son, I I missed it, I blew it, I did, I had this opportunity to step in the ring with Muhammad Ali, and I was just afraid, and I didn't have any of the capabilities, and I, I, this is the dream I actually had last night, and and so I I just I run, I get out of I get out of my house, and I and I and I run to this place, and I go into this really you know, shabby looking place, and there's like all kinds of like you know 
uh, animal, you know, manure, and there's a, and, and, and they're fighting in these different things. And, and, and I say, I'm here to fight Muhammad Ali. He says, well, we better get you in the ring here to you have a warm up fight or something like that. And I have nothing. I don't, I don't have any gloves. I don't have any boots. I have nothing. And, and then I just start going forward. And I just want to tell you, and, I, and I'll try to wrap this up quickly, but I, I begin to, I, I look down and, and the shoes that I had changed as I be, just went forward. You may not feel that you are able to take on the heavyweight champion of the world. You may not feel the capabilities, but I want to tell you, as you take a step forward, you'll begin to uh, see the tools begin to pr- uh, step um, come into place and you'll begin to take your place and you'll begin to move forward. Don't be afraid. God has called you ready. So you are ready. Amen. So uh, the key here, and I just want to wrap this up as soon as I can. We're 31 minutes in. The key here is that we are like calves released from the stall. God is about to crush the enemy and his schemes underneath our feet. How God works through us to do this is just as important as us doing this. The key here is that we need to understand that we are like calves released from the stall, according to Malachi chapter 4. It says, and you will go forth and frolic like calves from the stall, and you will crush the wicked underfoot, for they will be ashes under your soles of your feet on the day that I am preparing, says the Lord of armies, the Lord of hosts. Lord Sabaoth is saying this. God is about to crush the enemy underneath your feet. Romans chapter 16, verse 19 and 20. But I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. And then, this is what verse 20 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. How we war is just as important as we war. How we take dominion is just as important as taking dominion. The enemy is trying to get us to pay attention to him and his face. That's not what God is saying. You cannot face the enemy that is under your feet. Do you understand that? Biologics, just there. Do not allow yourself to be an expert on the enemy. He does not deserve that kind of attention. On the contrary, be excellent at what is good. It's when you are excellent at what is good and you are innocent at what is evil is when you are crushing the enemy once again because we are not because we are so wise, but because God is so good. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Colossians 3, 2. Yes, Feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. The enemy has been at war with us. This war is for the soul of North America and the world. Whoever runs the soul on the earth runs the show on the earth. God and the enemy are after our minds. Whoever controls thoughts fortifies the will and transforms the emotions. The war is for our attention. Ladies and gentlemen, do not give the enemy our attention. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to push every button and get us to focus on uh, everything he is doing and filling our thoughts with everything uh, uh, bad and, and, and all this, uh, the, the, the prophets of doom and everything and 24-hour news na- na- uh, stations and all this to trying to fill our minds 
But we say, no, we refocus our minds on the Lord. We recalibrate our minds. We return to the, to the foundational doctrines of Jesus Christ so that we can be reformed, so we can be relaunched. The enemy cannot be our focus, ladies and gentlemen. God must be our focus. Our greatest weapon is our obedience. As we are simply walking in obedience to God, we will walk right into the enemy's camp and begin to crush him under our feet. Once again, the enemy is not our focus. The matter of fact is he is without any intentionality in my life. My, the enemy is not does not have my intention, and I don't have an intentionality with him. And matter of fact, he is without consequences in any of my decision making. He is inconsequential in making decisions in my life. I do not think, well, what is the enemy going to do? And then I make my decision. I say, what does God say? And that's what I do. So let's be solution-oriented and answer-driven as we are paying attention to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying and revealing. 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we in this world. So as the Elohim is a family in heaven, so we shall be fruitful, dominion-taking dominion family here on the earth. And one last thing, I want you, and I told you this about two episodes ago, maybe, no, three episodes ago at the end of, of my um dissertation about the, the, the word of the Lord for this year. Please pray in the Holy Spirit. It is an answer that will change the world. If I can get you, you that have been marginalized, you that have been set aside, you that have been uh, put down, uh, uh, women that have been undermined and, and, and um, cultures that have been defied and, and suppressed. If I can get you to pray in the Holy Spirit, you will be the shift. Now, I am praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm a minority. I, I have been suppressed. I've been marginalized. I, I've been abused. I've been hurt. I've been betrayed. I've been wounded. But I am spending time, significant moments praying in the Holy Spirit. I am offering my tongue, but as the tongue of the marginalized I submit to the will of the Father, even through praying in the Holy Spirit, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you will shift. Your words will shift the balance of power back to God and his dominion, which is righteousness, peace, and joy, uh, grace, and truth, all founded upon faith, hope, and love. There shall be no more rape. There shall be no more abuse. There shall be no more wars. There shall be no more lies. There shall be no more deception. There shall be no more poverty. There shall be no more pain. There shall be no more death when the kingdom of God is truly established here on the earth. And we are preparing this very thing by being a family, by being fruitful, and by taking our place, taking our authority, and taking our dominion. My God, thank you. Thank you for all this. Guys, thanks for paying attention. I, I believe this was an awesome one. Uh, go over this again. Uh, learn what it is, uh, dominion, how to take authority, how to expand, how, how to go forth and be powerful in it and live in the midst of peace. I'll tell you this, when God blesses something, he adds no sorrow to it. I bless you today. I put the name of the Lord Jesus Christ upon your head. I call you blessed. Amen. So guys, uh, till next week, 
Uh, this is Barry Miracle. I'm signing off, but I just want to tell you, go to www.barrymiracle.ca. You can get involved. You can support our ministry. You can buy my my, my best-selling book called Wake Up Into Your Dream. Same name as this podcast. Uh, just go there, and there's lots of hope there. There's some videos there, some words that I have. I have some confessions that you can that you can do daily that will change your life. Love you guys, and and may God bless uh, our world, and may God bless the family of God, and may the ecclesia arise and take its place. You guys are the answer. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. Barry Murray. Thanks again for joining us today on Wake Up Into Your Dream. My great friend Tony Fitzgerald would say, you have two great days in your life, the day you were born and the day you discovered why. In these podcasts, I'm hoping this is true, that you are having aha moments and great moments of getting introduced to the true you because your whole world is waiting for the authentic you to show up. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please go to www.barrymiracle.ca. You can check out my book, Wake Up Into Your Dream. You can connect. You can see where we're going to be live in the future. And uh, you can just connect with us there. But this is Barry Miracle, your dream coach, signing off for now. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>